Once again, welcome to church. So good to have you here in our midst, in the house of God. And uh, I tell you what, that was uh, great seeing the highlights this week of uh, Dr. Yongi Cho. If you weren't aware of uh, Dr. Yongi Cho, he is uh, no pastor in the history of the world has ever grown a church as large as Dr. Cho and his wife, Dr. Kim, uh, in Seoul, Korea. And uh, this week we got to hear some of the, the stories of that journey for a man who once gathered with five people and by faith in God and listening to God and a life full of prayer, he grew a church to over 800,000 members. Can we give the Lord some just praise for that? He literally changed the landscape of his city. And uh, I think there was 2% of uh, people in that city were Christians uh, when he went in, but uh, it's up to about 25% at this current time because of a church like that. And it was so good hearing the stories, and it was so uh, wonderful and encouraging, which was great. And speaking about prayer, tomorrow, everyone say tomorrow, we enter seven days as an entire church of prayer and fasting. So we are going to go and uh, engage our hearts, pray hard, get together. And this isn't just, oh, the leaders are going to do it. This is what we want all of us to do, is for all of us to get on board and say, you know what, I'm going to make sacrifices for seven days. I'm going to forgo some food. I'm going to go and seek the Lord, and I'm going to pray for a mighty outpouring of God in this city. I'm going to pray for our church. I'm going to pray for people to be saved because church has power, so does prayer, and when we come together as the church and we pray, great things can and will happen. So we're going to have prayer meetings all this week, Monday through to Saturday morning. We're going to meet down in the glass house, it's going to be loud, it's going to be powerful, and we're going to pray for one hour, so you're all invited to that, even if you can just make one of them. I remember uh, when we did this last year, uh, um, Aruni and Parini came with their newborn child at 6 a.m. in the morning and came and joined us in prayer. I saw that. I took a photo and I thought if they can do it, we can all do it. So we just want to give you an open invitation to come and join us in prayer. And uh, we're also going to be having our Tuesday fortnightly prayer service right here in the auditorium at seven o'clock for an hour. So we would love to really invite everyone to that. I would love for you to come and pray and fast this week. Jesus says, uh, uh, when you fast, not if you fast. And uh, I think it's a great thing that we need to do in our Christian life is to put aside some things and uh, and make some sacrifices to seek the Lord. Is fasting a piece of cake? No, it's not. I haven't got a lot in reserve. Fasting is hard for me. But um, I'll do it to uh, to show my commitment to the Lord and I'll do it to go deeper in prayer and uh, to see some breakthroughs happen. Would love for everyone in the church to come and join us. Seven days of prayer and fasting starting tomorrow. It's going to be wonderful. Hey, just want to uh, do something quickly here this morning. Uh, many of you know that uh, church would not run without wonderful people who actually give up time and energy and volunteer. And um, today we just really want to um, highlight just a great couple in this church. Uh, They are faithful, they are loyal, they put a huge amount of time and energy and have for a long time now in building the local church. And as a church, we just really want to uh, thank them. And that is Dave and Kate Banner. Can you guys just come up here? Um, These guys, uh, they're not the kind of people that do anything for the limelight. 
but occasionally they need to be put in the limelight. So we just really want to just say uh, thank you for your love for our people. Uh, they run connect groups. Kate goes into our nursing homes and speaks to our elderly people about Jesus. Uh, so often when there's a hole put in the wall around the place at church here, Dave Banner comes and fixes the hole. Thank the Lord for that because we have youth here that uh, like to put holes in buildings. And uh, they just do so much. They've been involved in the care centers and just a whole lot of things. And we as a church just really want to say thank you for serving the Lord. Thank you for your heart for this place. And we just want to honor you. Can we give them one more round of applause? I think a gift each. We love you, Kate. Thanks, Dave. Awesome, awesome. Come on, let's just give it up for the Lord, for great people like that. Absolutely outstanding. Well, today we launch a brand new series, and I'm so excited about this. This series uh, is called Romans Reloaded. It's going to be a six-week series, and uh, like I said, I'm really I just know God's going to move, and I just want to uh, get you excited for what God's going to do in our midst uh, over the coming weeks as we go into uh, the book of Romans, and it's a really significant book. It's a really significant book. Um, Some people say that uh, if you can get a, a solid hold on the teachings of Romans, you will be setting a great foundation for a solid Christian life, and that is true. It is a tremendous book. It has the power in this one book of the uh, Bible to totally transform your life and set you up for a great life of victory on this planet, which is what God wants for each and every one of us. And I know over the course of history, it's impacted so many people's lives. Uh, St. Augustine, distressed by his way of life, picked up the letter to the Romans and was converted by reading the book of Romans. As he read Romans, he saw that he was dead to his old life and he was alive and a new creation in Christ. Apparently, the story goes that not long after uh, he was saved, he was walking down the street, and a lady came up to him. They had had some connections over the years, and uh, this lady ran up and said, uh, uh, Augustine, Augustine, it is I, it is I. And apparently, he turned to this young woman, and he said, ah, yes, but it is not I. He had been so transformed by the power of Jesus Christ that he knew that he was a new creation that the old had gone, that truly the new had come. Martin Luther was someone who would always be thinking that by good works, he had to try and please the Lord. There'd be times where he would uh, apparently sleep outside in winter because he'd gone through periods of life where his thought patterns weren't good and he thought, that'll appease God, I'll go and and sleep outside. There's uh, stories that apparently he would whip himself with a rod as he had sinful thoughts, that sometimes he would climbed the steps of the church on his knees till they bled, like he was trying to get right before God that way. But when he was reading the book of Romans and he read, and the just shall live by faith, he got a great revelation, a great revelation. He'd go on to form the Reformation, a great change in his life. John Wesley recorded in his journal on the 24th of May, 1738, that he went to a, uh, a meeting against his will in one state. But he said that there, Luther's preference to the apostle in the Romans was being read out, and about quarter to nine, he knows the time, while he was describing the change which God had worked in his heart through faith in Christ, he said he felt his own heart strangely warm. 
He started to put his trust in God and know that it wasn't just for salvation, that he could be transformed, and it changed his life. John Bunyan read Romans in prison, which inspired him to write Pilgrim's Progress, one of the most famous bits of Christian literature that's ever been written. There's so many reasons why this book is absolutely wonderful, and it's not a book written by Paul because people were going wayward. It wasn't uh, a letter that he was penning uh, because there was a particular problem at the time. He wasn't coming against false teachings like when he was writing to the Galatians, but he really wanted to give Christians some great basis for their lives. He wanted to help the Christians to pave the way for them in their Christian walk. And it is a wonderful book. It's a great systematic presentation of the doctrine of the Bible. So Romans 8 is what we're going to spend the next six weeks on. We're going to go into it. We're going to study it. And we're going to know that lives will be transformed through it. Some people say they believe it's the greatest chapter in the Bible. Some people call it, it's the high watermark, Romans chapter 8. And it's got some great things in there and so helpful for life. If you're ever going through a hard time, you could turn to Romans 8, 28, because it says, and we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, to those who accord according to his purpose. That verse alone could help you in life. When you've done something wrong, and we'll go into this a bit this morning, you could just make it to verse 1, because it talks about there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, and we'll study around that a bit here this morning. When you're feeling alone, that not only does that God maybe doesn't care about what's happening to you, you could go to chapter 8, verses 38 and 39, and you'll see this scripture is still there, for I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a verse. If you ever think, maybe God feels like he's withholding from me. Does he really have my best interest at heart? You could go to verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Church, be excited. The word of God has what we need for this life. It has what we need for this life, for each and every one of us. And as I was even preparing here this morning, I, I got a real sense from the Lord that there was people and you've You've got like cloudy thinking in your mind. Your mind is not sharp. It's got cloudy thinking. It's got things in there that have been put in there that aren't from the Lord. They're not helping you in life. They're not enabling you to go forward. And I believe today, today is your day to get clarity back in that mind. That there won't be things that will cloud your thought pattern and things around the scriptures. Today will be a day of getting great clarity. So here we go, week one. Today is called Power Search. And we're going to go into the first four chapters, uh, first four verses of chapter eight. So here we go. Out of the New King James Version, if you've got your Bible, you can turn in it, you can get your pen out to scribble around it, to write notes next to it, because Romans 8 is going to get studied over these next six weeks. And it says this, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law 
of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and then it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Therefore, there is no condemnation. It's like there is two laws working, like the laws of aerodynamics against the laws of gravity. So the Spirit of life overcomes the law of sin and death. Condemnation is the greatest enemy to walking in the Spirit. This is all about assessing the power, the power of the Spirit. If the bullying accuser can gain the upper hand because our faith in our justification is weak, we will be prevented from a life in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord wants us to walk this life in the power of His Spirit. He wants us to walk this life as overcomers. He wants us to really know what we have through the death of Jesus Christ. What we have through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we can live mighty lives. Because condemnation is like an evil spirit. Sometimes, even though you might not have done anything wrong, it can make you feel so guilty about something. And you can walk around with that guilt in your life. Today, guilt's not going to make its way out of this auditorium. Guilt guilt is going to be dealt with because it has been dealt with. And sometimes we just need a fresh reminder about what Jesus really did on the cross at Calvary. And today will be that day for guilt to not have any place in your heart or your mind. Because Jesus, Jesus' way is not to condemn. Do we know that, church? His way is not to condemn. And we see that probably as clear as anything in John 8, because in John 8 is when the lady was caught in the very act of adultery, and she's pretty much brought out and thrown at the feet of Jesus Christ. And people are saying, so Jesus, tell us what happens now. Is now the moment that we stone her? What happens right now? And I love the coolness of Jesus as he just bends down and draws some of the things in the sand. And they're obviously uptight and they're angry. The Bible says they're trying to trick out Jesus. And, and Jesus looks up and says, well, for those of you that have not sinned, you can throw the first stone. And the Bible tells us that the crowd scatters. And then in verse 10, it says, when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Neither do I condemn you. I'll say it again. Neither do I condemn you. Let's have those words ringing through our ears because they're the words of Jesus Christ we read in the Scriptures. He does not condemn. Of course he says, go and sin no more. It's not our excuse to live a sinful life. Oh, it's okay. I'll just get one prayer and I'm forgiven. It's not an excuse, but 
when we do do things wrong, and hello, we're humans, we have a human nature, and that's part of what we do. We make mistakes, but the great thing is that Jesus does not condemn. He does not condemn. So often, it's actually us. It's us who are condemning ourselves. Romans 14.22 says, Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. It's often us condemning ourselves. When I was about 11 years of age, I was here living on the northern beaches of Sydney, and one day I had to go and pick up my sister from a music lesson. And on this day, I lived about two kilometers, I think it was, from where her music practice was. It was a Friday afternoon, it was after school. So I got on my bike, which was a great treasure of mine because it was like a miniature race bike with quick release wheels. And I made my journey across town to go and pick her up. The first part of the journeys were on relatively quiet streets, but as I got closer to the uh, College of Music where my sister had been uh, doing her piano practice, I had to cross a major road, a major road called Barangeri Road, and this road had uh, a lot of lanes to cross, and I made a really big error that day as a young boy. I did get off my bike, so that was kind of cool. Off memory, I probably did press the big button that... uh, indicates that what you do now is you're meant to wait for Mr. Green Man so you can safely cross the road. But I don't know if I was running late or it was just my impatient nature that I have sometime. But on this particular day, I looked down one side of the road and I noticed that there was no cars traveling. So I thought, hello, I can easily make it to the medium strip and get halfway. So I ran across pushing my bike and I got to the halfway mark. And as I was at the halfway mark, I now had four lanes to get through. There was three lanes going straight, and the lane closest to me was turning right. And as I looked up and saw waiting cars, I looked up at the traffic lights, and I saw that they were red, and I thought that might be a really good time to make the rest of the way across the main road. So as I looked up and saw red, I started to kind of, in a little jog, kind of run across, pushing my bike. And as I got with like about a lane and a half to go, I looked up to see little red light had decided to turn green, and that's green for the cars, not green for the boy crossing the road. And as I did that, I took like another step, maybe step and a half, and as I did that, I came into quite a big problem because there had been a car everywhere else I'd gone had waiting cars, but the furthest lane had no waiting car, and as I stepped out, a car came rushing through. It must have come over the crest seen the lights go from red to green and accelerated, and it collided into my bike. The VIN hit me and literally threw me across the tarmac in the air. And there I was, extremely upset, extremely embarrassed. And I know I've shared this story a few times, and I kind of limped my way onto the side of the road and laid down. And a gentleman who uh, I wasn't too happy with came up and uh, looked down at me and said, hey, boy, that was a pretty stupid thing you just did. And, And I knew that. I knew that that was a stupid thing, but I didn't need condemnation in that moment. My bike is like wrecked. I really hurt my knee of like kind of, I think there might have been minor grazes. I was probably like centimeters or half a foot away from it being absolutely a serious, serious, serious incident. But as I got up eventually and came to myself and I realized my bike was in no position to be uh, ridden anymore. But what, I don't know what it was, but something in me was like, I don't want to tell my family about this. 
So I picked up my bike and I went and kind of held it in the air while I pushed the back wheel because the front wheel and I went down kind of half limping and got my sister and I walked all the way home. I didn't tell her. She's two years younger than me. She would have been in, I was in year six, so she would have been in year four. I didn't tell my sister. I got that bike and I put it under uh, the house at home. We had like an under, under the house, this big kind of area, like a big under, I don't know what you call it, to store things. And I shoved the bike in there. I went and grabbed my old BMX, and for like the next year, I didn't tell anyone in my family that I'd been pretty much hit by a car. I held on to that. Reason, I'm not sure why. I don't know if it was just because I knew that I'd done something wrong. I was completely in the wrong. It was my fault. I probably deserved part of that, but I didn't want to hold on. I wanted to hide it. And sometimes in our Christian life, we condemn ourselves. I would have been much better to tell my parents. I'm sure they would have been like a little bit of, well, I'm glad you're all right. What were you thinking? I'm sure I would have got a good talking to, and it probably would have done me some good. But let's not live our Christian life feeling condemned for the wrongs we've done. Let's not bury things and think and live in a way where we never get set free of these things. Because Jesus is here to set us free in Jesus' name. Why don't we give him a round of applause? Because that is how amazing he is. And sometimes it's other things. Where let, we, we get disappointed in life. We're in church and we're like, oh, God, I, I know last week I told you that I'd read my word every week this week. And I failed and I didn't do it. Maybe you're like, oh, I committed to, I was going to pray for a solid 20 minutes every day and I've come back week after week and I haven't made it there yet. Maybe it's some vow you've made to God about some other area of life and you, you haven't seen it true. It can be so easy to live like that and always have this like condemnation that's not from God, it's actually from us and it's from our own mind. But let's get out of that here today. Let's get out of that. Revelations 12.10 says, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. The blockage to the power of God is allowing accusations having a place in our minds. But look at this, salvation, strength, kingdom and power of Christ has come because the accuser has been cast out of heaven. He is cast down and the release of his power is gone. Let's go to the things of God here today. 2 Corinthians 10.4 and 5 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God, for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We have mighty weapons for bringing things down. Let's use them, church. Why are we going into seven days of prayer and fasting? Because we know we're in a battle. We're in a battle for lives. We're in a battle for families. We're in a battle for marriages. We're in a battle for this city. And the only way we're going to win the battle is take up the weapons that we have, the powerful weapons And they come in things like in prayer. They're in things like the Word. They're in worship. Do these things. The devil will flee from you. 
you will have great power and you'll see God moving in mighty ways, both corporately as a church and individually in your life. Ephesians in uh, 4.27 says, nor give place to the devil. Don't give the devil any place. Give no place to the devil. In Zechariah chapter 3, we're all right with lots of scriptures here today. Are they helping us? says this in uh, verses 1 to 4, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right, hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. It is not a brand plucked from the fire. Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich clothes. You see, so often we feel that dirt, we feel like we failed God, we feel like we feel like, but all Jesus wants to do is take away the dirty garments and replace them. It's, it's, it's the accuser, the one that's getting in our ear. And Jesus is like, no, you get away. These are my people. I love my people. I forgive my people. I want to clothe my people in beautiful, clean robes. How good is our God? How good is our God? He wants to do that. We've got to remember the sacrifice Jesus made. It was sufficient. God will not condemn sin in us after condemning it in his son. How will he impute sin to us a second time after imputing it or to Jesus? Jesus' sacrifice was sufficient. And we need to un- understand forgiveness. Church, you are forgiven. Church, I am forgiven. Once you have repented from sin, you have been forgiven by God, whether we feel like it or not. We are forgiven. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's get good at this. I had a few lessons from a three-year-old last night. My wife, Natalie, she's not here today. She's preaching down at one of our churches in uh, South Australia, uh, C3 O'Halloran Hills that uh, we oversee. She's down there spending the weekend with them. So it was uh, solo dad time last night in the Taylor residence. I was doing pretty good. They were getting fed. I think two of them even had showers last night out of three, which actually ain't bad. And to be honest with you, some clothes did get ironed this morning. Maybe not quite to Natalie's standard, but they were, an iron was put on those clothes. But anyway, last night we were having dinner, and uh, I have three children, nine, six, three. And, and Cleo, the three-year-old, she's the slowest at the table. She's three. Things seem to take her. So mealtime was kind of finished for the older two, and she's still going. And uh, part of the meal last night was rice. And in our household... Uh, uh, years ago, we started adding soy sauce to a lot of things to add some flavor. When they're like, oh, this don't like this, we'll try this. And we used to call it special sauce. So it still carries that name today. And Cleo, she likes special sauce on a lot of things. So last night when it was rice was on the plate, I'm like, do you want some special sauce? She's like, yes. So anyway, I came over and uh, our, uh, our bottle of soy sauce has like a really big opening in the top of it. 
soy sauce, you need like a drop. There's got to be a system where you've like, like oil, but no, it like pours out. So literally, I come over to her and I had to like, you know that little thing where it's going inside the bottle and you're like, whoa, and you're just hoping that you'll just get a couple of drops out. Well, I'd, I'd come over and given her that and it was landed on the rice. And then I did something that later on I realized wasn't wise and that was I left the uh, special sauce bottle right next to her. But anyway, she had one lot of rice and she gulped and she wanted some more. So I came over and put a little bit of rice and then did the second lot and then I walked out. Anyway, I came back. I was outside. I don't know what I was doing for just a handful of seconds or minutes. I don't remember how long. But as I walked up, the moment I walked in the room, I hear this. Sorry, Dad. And I kind of look over and I'm like, oh, sweetheart. She'd opened the special sauce all over the plate. There was like rice particles like doing like butterflies. In the soy sauce. Some were doing freestyle. They, They were swimming in the soy sauce. Sorry, Dad. Sorry, Dad. And there I was thinking, firstly, bad move, Dad. But the other thing that hit my mind was, how good is it? That even before I saw it, she was like, sorry, Dad. And it was like, we're done. I'm like, that's okay, sweetie. So I had some, another plate next to her that was Jessie's leftover rice. She got that, and I'm like, a little bit of soy, and then like it moved everything away from her so she couldn't do it again. But I love that even before I had noticed that she was just straight on to, sorry, I'm sorry, Dad, done, we're done. About an hour and a half later, every, the other two had gone to bed, and she'd had a day sleep, so she was up a bit later. And during earlier that day, uh, I'd found a red texter that she had written all over her hand and put a big mark on her Calvin Klein dress. We don't have a lot of Calvin Klein dresses in the house, but we had one. I'm like, oh. So later that night, she'd bathed. She was one of the ones that did get uh, washed last night. And uh, we're in our bedroom, and uh, she's there, and she found that same red pen from early in the day that I thought I'd put out of reach somewhere, and she started to draw on her hand again. I'm like, no, like, you know and kind of took it off her, and I got that pen, and I actually threw it onto my shelf, just so I knew it was going to be out of her reach. And little sweet Cleo just kind of looked at Dad, and then got down like this, and just started bawling her eyes out. (laughs) And there I am. Obviously, within seconds, I'm like, it's okay, don't worry about it. But there she was, bawling her eyes out. No mum to go to, had to be dad's arms. I picked her up and I'm like, sweetie, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. See, in that occasion, she does what sometimes a lot of Christians do. She just, she goes down into this thing. She feels condemned. She feels like she's done the wrong thing and she, she sinks into it. Church, let's not sink into it. We don't need to. Let's be like the soy rice experience. <laughs> Sorry, dad. And then that's it, dealt with, keep eating, keep enjoying life, keep living a victorious, wonderful life of freedom. Let's not get bogged down. Let's enjoy it how God wants us to enjoy it. Because Jesus has set us free from every time we failed. My imperfection is covered by his perfection. I don't live through my perfection, but through his Let's make sure that we don't get stuck, always feeling bad, always thinking there's a stain left from that sin. I love the Bible. It has always stood out to me since a young boy that we are washed whiter than snow. We are washed whiter than snow. We ask God to forgive us. And the power 
of the blood of Jesus is released when we place our faith in him. You might say, but I don't feel forgiven. The truth is you are forgiven the moment we repent, the moment we ask for forgiveness and believe in God's words, we are forgiven. That is the truth here today. That is the truth. Let's not get stuck in the condemnation. Let's live the victorious life. Let's not allow the enemy to have access to our mind telling us, oh, but what about when you did this? What about that? You always fail at this. Your family's suffering because you did this. You're in that financial debt because you never followed through on that. You should have followed that one through. The list can go on and on and on. And I believe today can be the day where people in this place will be released, never to hear those voices. They will hold no power ever again. They will hold no power ever again. Isaiah 43, 25, 26 talks about how God is more interested in forgiving us than in remembering our sins. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. Cleo stated her case. Sorry, Dad. And it was dealt with. Let's just make sure we live life like that. We state our case and we move on and let's receive that forgiveness. Receive that forgiveness. Part of our covenant right with God is forgiveness. Forgiveness is something we simply have. It is part of our inheritance. When we need forgiveness, it is available. And I love that. And we need to also understand justification To be declared righteous is to be justified. The Greek word translated as justified means to declare righteous. So how, how can we be right before God? In Romans 1.17 it says, the just shall live by faith. That scripture is repeated many times in scripture. That's how we're righteous before God. The just shall live by faith. Let's live that way. Let's live that way. See, Paul had a really big problem. He was trying to address all the time in the Scriptures because people had come out. It had been the Old Testament and the law, and there he was trying to get the new way, the new covenant through Jesus Christ into the people's hearts, into their minds, into how they would do life. Because really the Old Testament was opposite saying the only way to secure righteousness was to fully obey all the law of Moses. And this had been enforced generation after generation, but now Paul wanted to tear this down. We are justified by faith. We are justified by faith. What a wonderful thing. I just can't think of any better news to hear in church this morning than news like this. Isn't it wonderful? Justified. We're justified. The Bible is good news. This morning is good news. Today, if you can get around and live by these principles, you can live the most incredible life. This stuff helps us. As I've been studying this this week and I've been seeing people down the street, I'm just like, what we have in Christ is unbelievable. What we have in Christ is so valuable. What we have in Christ, the world needs. Because there's people out there 
sinking, sinking, sinking in what life has, what has happened in their life because of their past, because of the things that they've done wrong. But they can pop out of that, pop out of that when they hear the truth and the transforming power of Jesus Christ. Let's make sure we're always looking around. Who can we tell people? Who can we invite to church? Who can we include in our world so that they can have an opportunity to have what we have? Because that's living for Christ, isn't it? It's not all about us. It's why we're heading out to Maryland's next Sunday night. And we're going to keep doing this. We're going to keep releasing people. We're going to keep encouraging people to take their next step and go on their journey in Christ to become more mature and go somewhere so that them in their life, all of us, can go and make a significant difference around this planet. We're needed to. God wants you to win against the accusations of the enemy. He wants you to be acquitted. What is your case? That Jesus is your righteousness. In Jeremiah 23, 6, it reveals, and this is in capital letters in your Bible, it says, the Lord our righteousness. A very powerful statement that really comes and gets revealed in its entirety in the New Testament. It's a beautiful thing. This thing is out there for all of us. And if you're here today and you're like, Hartley, I've never said what, what you're talking about, that I've never had my sins forgiven. That's, that's the first step in following Jesus Christ. And being in Christ is a prayer of salvation. And just in a couple of moments, before we end today's service, you will have that opportunity for your life, for your life to have that. Because this is such a great gift that the righteousness, his righteousness can become our righteousness. It's our gift so that we can have entry into heaven and eternal life. We're never going to live a perfect life. We know that, don't we? But if we get the concepts of this, that we don't have to live, that there's no condemnation for those who live in Christ, but we've got to make sure we're living in Him through the power of the Holy Spirit. Live in Him, walk in Him. That's why I think we've just got to be so, try to be so consistent being in the Word and so consistent being in prayer and so consistent being in church week after week is because our, our flesh wants to take us down another path. Our flesh wants to take us, pop us out and start thinking about wrong things and take us down a wrong pathway. But it's not where Jesus Christ wants to take us. He wants to take us into living this wonderful life, living it all, having the righteousness imputed to us. It says in Romans 4.25, it, referring to righteousness, shall be imputed to us who believe in whom, him who was raised up, Jesus our Lord, from the dead. I don't know if there's many better feelings in life just to know that we can stand right before God because of Jesus. But it is a feeling that we can all walk with. It's a feeling we can all have. But the very first step in that is we need to make sure through all of our sins and all of the things that we have done wrong that we are in Christ. We have to make sure of that because the Scripture says that there's no condemnation. 
You've got to be in Christ. And if you're in our midst here today and you are not in Christ, today it would be an absolutely incredible moment in your life to say, today, today is my day. Today is my day. I'm going to stand before God. I'm going to say a prayer that says, Dad, I am sorry. It says a prayer where your sins are washed away. You become right before God. It's a really simple prayer, but there's no prayer more powerful. There's no moment in your life and earth than this moment. If you've never said this, for you to say that here today. You're amongst friends. Don't feel embarrassed. Don't be scared. This can be your moment in your life to say yes. I want to live all, all of that that was talked about this morning. I want to live all of that. I don't want to carry pain from the past. I don't want to carry condemnation myself over what I've done wrong in life. I want to be free of that. And here today, one prayer can see you set free. One prayer can see you set free. So in a moment, I'm going to give you that opportunity. There may be some people here today, you've said this before, you've said a prayer of salvation, but you know here today that for some reason, the distance between you and God is wide. For some reason, the relationship is not close and you would like to make it close. You would like to come back today and have like a fresh start here in the service this morning. I would also love to say this prayer to you, this prayer to give you that, that fresh start. And thirdly, maybe you're in a category here today, and you're in your seat and you're just unsure of, of, of where eternity would be for you. You're really not sure if life was to end today, if you would stand before God and He would say, come in, come in, all that is mine is yours. You're not sure if they would be the words from, from heaven that you would hear. If you're unsure here today, this prayer could put assurance, assurance in your heart, and I'd love to lead you in that. So here today, could we just all bow our heads, close our eyes? There is a wonderful life of freedom before all of us. But if you're here and you want to say this prayer for the first time, you've said this before, but you know there is a distance between you and God and you want to come back here today, or you are unsure, you are unsure of where you would spend eternity if life was to end. Right now, could you, while every head is bowed and every eye is shut, can you raise your hand boldly and say, yes, Hartley, I need to say this prayer here this morning. Include me in this prayer. I need to have my sins forgiven. I need to say this prayer. You can raise your hand boldly right now and say, yes, Hartley, include me. I want to say this prayer. You may be a guest here. Thank you, I see that hand. Who else is there this morning? You know in your heart of hearts you need to come back. You know you need to say this prayer to receive the free gift of salvation, to have all of your sins washed away in a moment of time. Who else is there here this morning saying, yes, Hartley, include me in this prayer. I need this. I need this. Who else is there here today? You can raise your hand. I'll give this another moment because this is the most significant moment that we ever face in life. 
Will we receive Jesus as our Lord and Saviour? Who else is there here today? You want to say this prayer with me? You can raise your hand. Wonderful, wonderful. Can we all look this way? We had one of our friends raise their hands, and I'm going to say a prayer with you just in a moment. But I also feel another thing that I want to do before we come to a close here in a few minutes this morning. And I really do believe that there's some people here, and you are carrying some weight from the past. You're carrying some burdens and they upset your heart and they have a sting to them. They're things you've done wrong in life and today, as we come into this last song, we're going to open the altar because we're going to get some of our team to come and pray with you. If you're carrying something and it hurts, and it might be something that quite often you condemn yourself in and I believe there'll be people here and there'll be over relationships there'll be some broken down relationships that you still carry in your hearts and you're blaming yourself here today I want to pray over that our team's going to do that for some of you it's going to be some missed opportunities you know there was an opportunity once I believe these are things that I felt the Lord speak to me this morning some of these and you know that there's been a, a missed financial opportunity and it and it, it wears on you and it's like a burden here today, released in Jesus' name, released in Jesus' name, released in Jesus' name. There's other things here today. There's other weights that people are carrying. Missed job opportunities. You should have done it. You think about it all the time. Why didn't I do it? Would have got me to where I wanted. Why didn't I do it? And also I believe there'll be some things and they would be some sins that some people even close to you don't even know about that you feel like the accuser is always reminding you always reminding you always reminding you let's get rid of that here today can we all stand to our feet we're going to pray and then I'm going to open up this altar as we sing this final song thank you Lord so grateful, Lord. We're so grateful for Jesus Christ. We're so grateful for what Jesus did on the cross for each and every one of us. And we in this place here this morning, we declare that there is no condemnation. There is no condemnation. Jesus does not condemn. And we come against every plan of the enemy to bog people down, to see people wasting time and energy about what has occurred in their past. Here in this place today, we release the power of the Holy Spirit. We declare those things are gone, never to be remembered again. They hold no power. They hold no power. Oh, we declare, we declare free minds here today. People walking freely, people walking knowing they are right before God. They are washed whiter than snow. Oh, we thank you, Lord God, that you would move over every life, every life, in Jesus' name. We're going to sing this song. Why don't you come out of your seat? If you need prayer here this morning, if you want prayer over any of those things I mentioned or another significant area in your life, don't sit back. Don't stay in that area. Come out onto this altar. Allow God to come and touch you. 
Today is a breakthrough day. Today is a day where you move forward. You can progress in your walk with the Lord. Holy God, thank you, Lord. Come forward out of your seats right now. Come and receive prayer here this morning.